All right, here we are. This is the pilot episode of the Builder's Block podcast. Uh, A little something I'm working on. Uh, I go by Modify. I'm here with my good friend, Jerry's Bush. What's up, what's up? What's going on, man? Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about building and creativity, (laughs) things that we like to build and create, stuff like that, making all kinds of stuff. So um, I've known you for a while. You're a pretty pretty big on the making of things. So nice. yeah. uh, take me through a little bit of uh, how you became a creative person, like just wow. from, as a kid. Okay. Man, uh, my creative side starts really, really young. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I, I could tell you a story about the um, the first uh, creative project that I put together as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in uh, elementary school, um, I, think, I think it was my, what, my third or fourth grade year. It's my fourth grade year in, in elementary school. <coughs> And I had an idea to like uh, to create a little comic book, and like hip hop was always something I loved, right? I was like MCs and rapping, like Tribe Called Quest was my shit at the time, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was like, "Yo, man, like I, I want to do like something concerning hip hop," and and I, and I loved the TV show Rugrats. Remember that show? Rugrats? Oh yeah, man, yeah. Rugrats was awesome. Oh, Everything shit. on Nickelodeon was great. Yeah, she was fire. Yeah. So I did something called a Rug Raps, right? So what <laughs> right. I did was I drew a whole comic book up. I had Tommy, Chucky feel and deal right and like they're they're all in this rap group so i did a whole little narrative like drawn into a comic book and um the whole story was about like tommy and chucky like going to this rap contest right so um drew a whole comic book up like made each panel drew each panel colored each panel and then me and my homeboy was it was jake his name was jake we uh snuck into like the printer the office and like printed off like m- multiple copies of it right Mm-hmm. And then from there, like, I went to the community and sold um, copies of this comic book during coupon book season. Because I, I, I always felt like the, coup- the coupon books are some bullshit. I think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think coupon books was playing off a of kid's cuteness, right? Oh, absolutely. So I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to flip it on these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, use that time of year to, like, pretty much go around and sell my comic books. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, man, I sold about, about 20 copies, man. Raised about, like, a hundred bucks and bought myself like one of those little VR video games. Mm-hmm. You remember like the Red Shield video games that had like the uh, Virtual Boy, the virtual virtual something had like a little the screen you flip down over your eye. Oh yeah, and yeah. Projected like a little red. Mm-hmm. That image. wasn't the Virtual Boy, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I just yeah. can't think of the name of it. But yeah, man, I, that was my first project that I put together, and like yeah, bought myself a video game system with it. So yeah, creativity has always been something. That's nice, and also it's kind of like. Um, entrepreneurial yeah. creativity. Yeah. So since a very young age, you yeah. were using your creativity and monetizing that. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely, man. Shit's so what about, uh, what got you into hip hop, man? Did you start doing like hip hop with some kids in school or anything like that? Uh, Well, I think one of the first, my first experiences with hip hop was that um, my brothers and I were going to visit my grandmother, right? In my and then my grandmother's like, my, my uncle stayed there as well. And he was like 20 something at the time. So, you know, he was transitioning out of living with his mother. But uh, when we would visit, our uncle would have us like freestyle, freestyle rap, right? And um, it was funny because like, he was like a big fan of like Tool. He loved rock and roll music. Like this dude was like, he was so eclectic in his ear. But uh, yeah, he would, he would have us freestyle. And like, for some reason, I always had like the best rhythm with rapping. So, like, I, I wasn't really saying words, but my rhythm was on point. I had, like, a good flow. So, yeah, that was, like, my first experience with actually doing rap, like, being an MC. And, uh, and I guess, like, one of the biggest things that happened, like, in my childhood that made me, like, think, like, yo, I want to do this for real 
uh, is my good friend Michael Tate. Um, during my third grade year, actually, in, um, in, in elementary school, uh, we had this um, part, this competition for like this uh, rap part that was in this um, United States like song. So the song was about all the states in the U.S. And like there was one little rap part, and it was like three, three young kids that was going up for the part. <clears throat> so me and Michael were like in the like the last like <laughs> duel to, to, to see what kid get it. And then, and then Michael he got it. I didn't get it. I didn't have the delivery he had. But yeah, to see him on stage and perform, performing that song during the whole um, skid, the kids recital for like the President's Day or whatever, it was was dope to see that young man on stage like speaking to it with authority because he had rhythm and he had like a voice, you know? From, from seeing that, I was always inspired to do it. So from then on, I'm like, yo, man, we need to rap together, dude. Let's start like a rap group. And then after that, man, I bought like karaoke machines. Like I try to find ways for us to work together and do music. And yeah, man, from there, always been doing it. That's interesting. I used to use uh, karaoke machines for the same thing, not not rap music, but mm -hmm. you could overdub. So yeah. before I had like a four track recorder, I would use a karaoke kind of boom box yeah. set up to do the same thing and like overdub. Double tape cassette, you, you put the yep. one tape, another one in there. Yeah. Yes, yes. I still have a lot bubbles. of those classics, a lot of those. Do you have any of that stuff nah, man. hanging around? Yeah, it's all history now. It's all history. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so where did it go from there? Like, um, uh. Man, it just kept going. Uh, I got my karaoke machine, and I actually had another business little like endeavor to be able to raise money to buy the karaoke machine. Oh yeah, what was yeah. that? Uh, I actually got my first little recording <clears throat> equipment machine, like recording equipment machine, recording karaoke machine during uh, middle school. I, um, I actually made up a lie. <laughs> yeah. <And> I, <laughs> But like I was the, the compost kid, so like I, I would go to buy each table after lunch and get the compost. So all, all the perishable items I'll put in like a little compost bucket. But what I would do is I would ask all the kids like, yo, man, you need your, your change? Can I, can I get your change? Like, you good? You know, they, they might buy ice cream or something, have like 50 cents left. Like, Let me get your change. So dude, I got like everybody's change that would give it up to me and like for like a month or two, raise up like 90 bucks and bought this karaoke machine. <laughs> so from there it was on, it was on. And uh, I guess the f the first mixtape we put together was our eighth grade year in middle school. Like we recorded it through the karaoke machine. Had a, had a homeboy that that knew how to <clears throat> convert tape cassettes into CDs. So like we had our first CD burnt in eighth grade. So that was like where it started. And from there, every year we put out a project. Every year through high school and all that good shit. Middle school, high school. Nice. So, yeah. You got any of those left? Oh. Uh, what was the crew called? All right, so the first squad was called Drop Squad, and that was me and Michael. I like that. All right, Drop Squad. <laughs> and that was inspired by a Spike Lee movie called Drop Squad. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a pretty wild movie. It's all about, like, <clears throat> taking Uncle Tom's. You know what Uncle Tom is, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, brother that, you know, Uncle Tom ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they would take Uncle Tom's and, like, try to, like, re-brainwash them to, like, take in their culture. It's Spike Lee films. Like, mm -hmm. Kind of too much, but, yeah, I thought the name was dope. So yeah, Drop Squad was the first rap group. And then after that, I went to high school and met like a lot of other homies that rap. And then it got more gangster. So our, our, like our first collective I had in, in high school was called Certified Street. Certified Street. Certified Street, bro. Yeah, Certified Street. And I got my first car like in, uh, was it my sophomore year? Like in my sophomore year. And dude, I was, I was wild. I, I got like the, um, 
was it a was it a decal? Got a decal on, on my front windshield, <laughs> certified street on my oh, windshield of my car. <laughs> <laughs> what I kind of car like, was committed. it? Uh, Nissan Maxima, 1992. Nice. My first car was a Nissan Sentra. Dope. 87. 87. Old as fuck. Dope. A little Same cereal one, box man. car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same it was good long. until uh, I got it cracked in half by a semi-truck. It was wild. I was 17. Oh, my God, brother. Yeah. I was following my girlfriend to a hotel party on Alcoa Highway <sighs> at the Family Inn, and I got in a wreck. And she was drunk. She was drunk. She was drunk. He was following her. And she was drunk. Yeah. Thanks. What following these girls do to you? <laughs> Get your car broken. <laughs> oh man. So um, we're both members of the Good Guy Collective, yes, yes. right? Um, I didn't come into the fold on that until I had actually already moved away from you know Knoxville, was living mm. in Nashville. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know a lot, whole lot about how that formed. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, how did, how did all that come together? Uh, so, um, just kind of back up to high school, because I think it all connects. I think collectives and working in community with artists has always been something I, I saw as valuable. Um, but um, following high school, <clears throat> like I went, into, um, I went to college for a year, or for a semester or two, it wasn't quite a good fit for me in terms of like what my interest was, because mm -hmm. I, went, I went directly to trying to seek money, trying to find out. We'll let that let that ring for let a second. Let that ring. Let that ring out. We're live at the bird in the book. Um, <laughs> the bookshop is still open. It's a Monday. Um, we're gonna start doing these at four o'clock on Mondays or Sundays, hopefully. Yeah. But um, looks like someone answered it, so we'll go ahead. Good. So, yeah. uh, good guy collected. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, went to house went to college for a year. Went quite in my um, in terms of like what I went to school for. was wasn't necessarily like in a line of what my interests were. You know, so I dropped out after like a semester or two. Then uh, got directly into being in my own band. So like I started a band called The Thirst, a hip hop band. And um, from there I like started connecting with other artists in the community. And that's when I met DJ Wiggs, mm -hmm. Wiggs and also um, Lane Schuler. And, um, and also within the band, Black Atticus was in it. And then I had like a couple of artists in there as well that would feature, like Kobayashi would feature. So the band was pretty much like the Voltron, like in terms of, um, all of the artists that, that we felt fitted, fit within um, the vein of what, what, what we're trying to do artistically. So um, from there, um, we decided like, yo man, like we're, we still wanna work together on multiple projects aside from the theorists, like how about we get a studio and like kind of work together, right? So I think there was a show that Wiggs did with the theorists up in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. So I went to Asheville and we had a show. The show was kind of horrible. Uh, we got a, we did a trade show with an artist named uh, Bobby F. N. White. Are you familiar with Bobby F. N. White? Bobby F. N. White. Bobby F. N. White. No. Bobby I'm fucking not. White. <laughs> Is he fucking white? He's fucking white, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and for folks, I love Asheville, North Carolina, but like it was like the most like progressive, but kind of in like a really hipster, like not authentic way, you know. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. So we, mm -hmm. we did a show there. It was a bad show, and um. And Wiggs was like, yo, man, like, how about we like start a collective, dude? Like, let's kind of work together. I'm like, yeah, man, that's a good idea. So you got an idea, so it's called the Good Guy Collective. I'm like, dude, that's a dope name, Wiggs. Good name, fam. So uh, yeah, it started from there. And then um, slowly after that, we got a space, got a studio space at, at the Birdhouse. Um, actually, the first project that really brought the collective together was uh, a rap group called Plunderphonics that Wiggs, Lane Schuler, and myself was, was all in. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I remember yeah. listening to Plunderphonics. Yeah. So when I had first moved to Knoxville, uh, Nashville Dope. from Knoxville. Dope. And I, I think it was 2013. Yep. Yeah, 20, so. 2013. And Plunderphonics was what really like brought us together. Like, yo, we can do a lot of cool shit together. So yeah, yeah, that's what really started. Word, man. Yeah. So so I guess would the Asheville event be the birth date? I guess so. The conception of the Good the Guy Collection. Idea, we have to find yeah. out what that date is so we can start celebrating yeah, that shit. I'm sure we can. Get a, I bet get a cake. A, I bet there's a flyer somewhere. If we go to Bobby F. and White's MySpace page or something, mm-hmm. we can find out what it's called. Give it up to Bobby F. and White. Bobby F. and White, man. Bobby Collective together. All right. Bobby fucking White. <laughs> cool, man. So um, <laughs> with the Good Guy Collective, um, wh- what would you say it is to be a good guy? Hmm. Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think uh, to be a good guy, you got to be willing just to work with, just work work in community with artists, you know. And I think um, as of now, we're more so of a, um, a brotherhood internally, you know. Um, and we just kind of support artists in the community outside of the collective as well. So it's cool that we we can identify like who fits within the the at least a vision of what we believe a good guy is, you know, and, and we can support them whether they're in the collective or not. But, um, but yeah, it means that you're willing to work together, work in community, and also uh, you're dope. You got to be good. Yeah, you got to be good at what you do. <laughs> you right? got to be good at what you do, you know, and it's, it's beyond music. You know, like we have a lot of collective members that do other things aside from like making tracks for you, for example, you know, yeah. podcasts. Mm-hmm. So being able to build and create something with your creative ability. So that's what it's about. You got to see beyond just being on stage. Mm-hmm. I think that's what really makes you a collective member. So, Cool. So um, let's talk about, like, uh, flight school a little bit. That's an event that uh, I believe you created with well, the Good Guy Collective, or the, yes. it was collectively created. Yes, yes. I think it was one of the, the coolest um, programs or events that we, put, we started. Um, that actually came from uh, – so Wigs actually moved to Nashville – to live with me. <laughs> yeah, to live with Modify. Yeah. Uh, and Wiggs, was come, he'll, he'll come back from time to time to, to visit his girlfriend here in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. So one weekend he was back in town and um, I was like, yo, man, like we, we should like get a showcase together and do something that's like a, a regular event, you know, and have Wiggs come and spin and like have something that's consistent. So it's a cool thing because there was like some young artists there as well. We had, um, you know, uh, Chastity, Chastity Chic. Mm-hmm. She was there. Also, um, Benji was Benji's three hours was recording his first album at the time too, so um, yeah we're in the studio and one day we're like yo man let's do it let's get a monthly showcase together with you spinning and like get some young artists up in there like kind of can support the young artists and put put them out it's like cool man so so we decided to uh, just come up with a, with a with a concept for like okay how how could we put artists in the forefront and, and support them so that's where flight school came from so we like kind of drew up the the layout for like the event you know. Wiggs is like a really articulate dude. He's really good at just like, yeah, you know, like figuring out like how to connect dots. That dude is just. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we um, sit down and um, drew up the idea for the, for the show. And it's wild because like it started out as just a showcase, like presenting artists in, in the community. And over time, it slowly like morphed and became more and more and more because we realized like the concept of flight school was all about like evolving and flying out of your comfort zone, you know. Mm-hmm. And also it's a playoff of the birdhouse, you know. So, like, how do you learn to fly at the birdhouse? 
you know. So it was a community showcase where we would um, have a featured artist every month. And um, pretty much the, the goal was for like the artists that would open up for him to get to the part, well, open up for the artist, the headlining artist, to get to a point to where he's the headliner. So it's like a slow, slow rise of like experience and performance. And from there, we would try to do a show outside of the birdhouse and like give him another step. So it was all about creating steps for artists to get outside of the community center, you know. But from there, it morphed because we realized, like, artists thought it was like, oh, shit, I'm like, I'm the dude. They got me on a, a flyer, on a bill with me levitating. I'm the, I'm the guy, you know. So it slowly morphed from that to, like, yo, how, how do we, like, show these artists that they're actually supporting something greater than just them, you know. So Flight School became more of a, um, a community event that supported organizations and people that are doing, like, hands-on work. So um, our first flight school show that we like shifted from just presenting artists to having artists support the community was a show we did called The, the Divine Feminine. Mm-hmm. So it was all about just um, up, uplifting the women in our, in our community, you know, and just like paying homage to like what the roles they play, you know, in our community. And more, more specifically, um, along the lines of like, um, like mothers and how, how like the mother is like a big attribute to Every, every, everybody's life or everybody comes from a, a womb right mm-hmm. so yeah and then from there like it shifted at, at the the divine feminine show it became all about like how do we support the community and how do we like have art serve to build community and then um then it shifted again you know we realized like, okay cool like we can um give youth and like well artists hands-on experience with music how about we teach you know then that morphed to where we would have like going to schools and teach at elementary schools and teach how to, kids how to do music and how to perform and how, how to produce projects, you know? And then we brought the kids into the process of supporting that community. So like the youth could actually see like, wow, this is, a, this is really a more involved process than just being a, a rapper or being a singer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's cool. Like I think the program shifted through time to really like serve in a way that can make, make, make a community fly ultimately you know evolve so exactly exactly yeah. it's pretty cool how all that comes together like um i, I liked how flight is involved and yeah. all the names or the birdhouse where yeah. you're at the bird in the book, bird in the book. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. like um you have an event series called flight school uh-huh. uh, graduation of that is out the nest out the nest yeah you know yeah, like yeah. and then um taking it into the school systems mm-hmm. you know you well uh you went to uh what inskip right yeah, um and how, how did how did all of that come together with you getting in with UACS and all that? Well, I was really synchronistic, actually. Um, so I collaborated, or at least I spearheaded the collaboration with uh, the collective and um, a group called Cattywampus Puppet Council. And like they do um, puppetry like throughout Knoxville community, they're a dope, dope organization. But they have a, um, an annual um, puppet parade they throw every year. That's like one of their biggest programs, but also they do education in schools as well. So um, we, got, we came into a relationship with them and decided to put together a theater piece called What the Water Tells Me. And um, the collective was in charge of like producing all of the soundtrack for the whole project. So we did a, a play slash soundtrack slash um, album slash, it was, we call it a puppet hip hop opera. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Puppet, I hadn't heard it called that. But opera. Yeah, that's but, pretty fitting. But through that play, um, it actually addressed like the educational system and how um, education has been um, has been voided from the arts. Now that's a big issue with, with creatives like like us, like builders, you know. 
And um, and from there, like um, one of the collaborators, a part of the play, that actually wrote the narrative for the play. She worked for Skip Elementary, and that, and that was actually my older elementary school where I did the rug raps, you know. So um, I so got, that's perfect. You got to go yeah, back to your roots. Yeah. Got to go back to the roots and then teach the youth, like, yo, this is what I was doing when I was here, and y'all can still do this, you know. And then start working for them for like over a little over a year, and we put out two projects there that um. Um, we did a play for Alice in Wonderland. So we did like a whole hip hop, like original soundtrack for Alice in Wonderland. And then, you know, the following year we did the um, following semester that is, we did a whole play for the Nutcracker for the, for the, for the winter formal. And yeah, so. So moving forward, you're, you've stepped away from that, but you want to carry that program yeah. forward. Yeah, definitely. You stepped away from it because um, what I wanted to offer, and I learned over time, like, I couldn't really just teach just music alone because there was so much more involved. That's why I'm in a collective, you know, there's so many pieces, components to music aside from just, hey, singing and rapping. Like you gotta be able to put together album artwork, you gotta be able to organize an event, you gotta be able to <laughs> create artwork in general, you know? So there's so many components that play into music, you know, and production and getting community together. So yeah, the, it, it, it was just too, I was offering a whole lot than what they could really support you know, because mm -hmm. they wanted someone just to teach music, like instruments. But like, I, I can do that, but I can do a lot more, <laughs> you know, yeah. so we couldn't really support that. So, yeah, just, just, just looking to expand that work beyond just, you know, just music. Yeah, know? yeah. yeah so, so is your plan moving forward to, um, to kind of take that into more schools? No. Okay, so like, um, or more like after school programs? Like, yeah. have you reached out to anyone yet? Or? Yeah, more so after school programming. Um, I reached out to an organization. I'm in talks with uh, the Boys and Girls Club right now with how we can collaborate because they have um, a bigger um, pool of like schools they can reach out to. Mm -hmm. And um, I, ideally, my vision would be just to have one, one site that multiple kids that are interested in it can come to mm -hmm. and can like do the flight school program after school. You know, but um, yeah, that's the vision to be able to run that program with them and teach them how to write songs, teach them how to produce, teach mm -hmm. them how to like put together artwork for an album. And after that, like, yo, here's how you host an event. Here's how you get your friends out, you know, so teaching the, the economics of it as well. Because I think the biggest piece that we kind of miss through our educational system is, yo, like, you got to survive. You know, it's not just about you learning how to read and write. That's important. But yeah, there's just economics in there too, mm -hmm. you know? So how, how can art be used to support you, you know? And also bring people together, you know? So yeah. Cool, man. So what exactly, like, like walk me through like the curriculum. Okay, cool. Um, it's real simple. It starts off with just the history of hip hop, like what hip hop is, you know, why, why it's important, how hip hop was used as a tool to, for like people with it, for voiceless people to speak up, you know, and find their voice and find their power. So yeah, starts with hip hop. And then from there, um, it goes into like a sec segment of like finding your voice in hip hop. So like each, each young kid to be able to pick their own MC name or like their own like DJ name, you know, or like dancer name, like whatever aspect of hip hop speaks to them, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there we go deeper into like, okay, so how do you write a song? Like, like what's songwriting? You know, so you break down the matrix of like beat production, you know, and like how to count bars, like how to know like, when to switch off like to a verse to a hook, you know, so understanding song progression, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's okay, how do you make a beat? 
to like put your verses and your bars on the beat. So then we go into like either Fruit of Loops or like software like Reaper, you know, and this is how you make a beat. And then storytelling. Okay, cool, you got, you got your beat. You, you, you know what, you know how to rap, you understand music. So what story you wanna tell, what's your story, you know? Mm -hmm. So from there you find out like what the narrative is that these kids wanna talk about. So that can go into like story circles or just, you know, just discussing with the kids like, hey, what's going on in your life today? Like, what do y'all wanna rap about? You know, so from there, you make the beat, storytelling, to recording. So this, this is my favorite part. This is where you bring the studio into the class, you know, like have like a little interface and like projector screen, pr projecting the interface onto the screen, and like pretty much walking them through like, okay, this is how the software works. And this is how you lay your, your vocals onto the track along with the beat. And then after that, it's performance. So I right, time to perform your tracks, you know. So they perform it, perfect that. Mm -hmm. And then it's production, like how, how do you put the, the whole product together or the product out? So, so yeah, they, they're, they're walked through the whole process, you know? So yeah, it's, it's typically um, the kids I work with at Inskip, I was there for two semesters, but I say after, uh, after the first half of the semester, they, they, they can really get a grasp of like how to write, you know? And it takes like, other half to really get them into like the recording and being a part mm. of the process of putting the shit out. So <laughs> putting the shit out, <laughs> putting the shit out, putting the shit out. <laughs> so ideally, man, would you like to be able to, um, you know, like at some point have like an in-house set up to where the kids can get more hands on with it, you know, yes. like actually do more of the production. Yes. seems like you've definitely, you know, you've walked them through everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I think the only thing left for them to do would actually be making the beats yes, and actually be themselves. recording it yes, or producing yes. it. Yeah, I, ideally that'll be like what, where the process will lead to. It's like, okay, this is how you can do it. Now it's like youth led and the youth really run it. Cause I, when I was doing it as a kid, I had no adult to come and show me how to mm -hmm. make beats, had no adult to show me how to put together a song or write, you know, but it's cool that we have that just to give them a little head start, but yeah, the idea will, will be for it to be youth-led. So my idea will be, okay, I go into a school, teach for a little bit, and hey, here's the equipment, y'all run it, you know? Or like, or come into the collective studio, okay, cool, this is how you do what you need to do, and hey, here's an interface, here's, <laughs> yeah. here's some beat software for, for you to do it on your own, so. So uh, is that, what would you need to make it the best it could be, like what, um, tools would you need to make that happen? Hmm. That's a really good question. Wow, tools, I mean, staff, like what resources would you need? Wow, that's a really good question. Oh man, I mean obviously funding is one thing. If I have funding, it's a bigger pool to pull from because there's so many artists in our community that wants to do this kind of stuff, that mm -hmm. wants to be like teaching in some capacity or like giving back in some way, but a lot of times it's a matter of like having like financial compensation for it, you know? So if I had the financial resources to bring people in and like kind of coordinate that relationship between the youth and the, and the performers, that I think that, uh, that'd be extremely helpful. But yeah, just also having the, the tools for the kids as well. So if I had like interfaces I could give the youth like, or like give a little studio to each school, like I think that'd be like <laughs> definitely like a huge help with like making something like this work. You know. So if someone wanted to help, how would they reach out or how would they? Hmm. Wow, bruh. Good question. 
someone wanted to help, how would they reach out? Uh, Just to you personally yeah, at this point? Because I know the Good Guy Collective is still working on a website. That's uh, one of our big goals for this year. <laughs> um, eventually, you'll be able to reach out directly to us through the website. The website but at yeah. this point, you know, we still need to keep our productivity moving forward. So yeah. From here on out, man, like until we get to that point, yeah. you know, it's the, I think they could just reach out to you directly, yeah, right? Yeah, hit me up directly, you know. Um, I'm sure this video will have some kind of like content info we'll on it. have all kinds of stuff. Kind of Packaged up, it. yeah. it's going to look good. Yeah, hit me cool, up directly, man. find a way you can support. You know, and it's not always financial. Like if you can come and volunteer or something like that and help out, it's always, always solely welcome, totally welcome. So, so what projects do we have coming up with the collective? Projects? Oh, man. We got a... Uh, a lot of dope stuff happening. Um, one of the biggest projects we got coming up is the homie Kobayashi, Mr. Kobayashi. He's releasing his uh, second album, but I'm going to say it's his first full album because I think his first thing was kind of a mixtape. But uh, yeah, he's releasing a project called Concept Ion. I won't go too deep into like what that's all about, but uh, it's, a, it's a really, really cool like um, deep analysis on just um, the black experience from his point of view. But also like just um, how like uh, how these concepts or these ideas are placed on people, you know, and how these ideas can kind of like like control our lives, you know. So like, w what are we putting our energy behind? So like, so concept is, you know, what you take in ideas, and ion represents a negative or positively charged atom. So what are you charging your thoughts? Pretty much so that's kobe's project but it's pretty solid um i produced the whole thing um with support from the collective and uh yeah it should be dropping um hopefully like this summer so yeah that's that's the biggest project we got coming out it's like the first like so, like real collectively produced everybody helped in some kind of way whether it's us in the studio talking about lyrics you know yeah or us in the studio like working on a beat together or, or us working on like um producing um like the the mixes for the tracks and like engineering so yeah we support each other big time on this project and it's honestly one of the most proud project i'm really proud of this project you know i, feel I like am we, too i love it yeah i love it everything I, i've heard sounds great i think we all focused on one of our artists you know so it's like how do we pour into one individual but do it together and i think that's really beautiful with the collective that we're able to do that you know so so any future projects on the horizon beyond Kobe's release? Yes, we're actually doing a follow-up to um, the play I told you about, What the Water Tells Me, that collaboration with Caddy Wampus and uh, the collective. And uh, it's um, actually gonna be um, speaking to another element, we're doing the fire. So it's, uh, it's a story um, about colonization and slavery and how those systems are still at play in our life today. And uh, it actually follows um, um, the character or a character from the last piece. And it's uh, right now the working title was Samuel's Fire. And uh, yeah, it's all about fire and how we find resilience within uh, those systems of oppression and, um, and how we try not to polarize ourselves and, and continue to be trapped in those systems. So yeah, it's, it's a really, uh, <laughs> so it's, a, it's a heavy project. However, it's, uh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fire. <laughs> Definitely fire. We got some really cool tracks that we're working on right now. And I, I'm just really excited to see how this project can open up to have more hands in terms of the music. Because What the Water tell, Tells Me was primarily produced by me because I was really in the process of like writing the play, so I really got the concept of it. But yeah, I think the fire show is going to be a lot more open. So it'll be a lot more voices 
speaking through this one, through production and, you know, and writing and all that good stuff. So, yeah, Samuel's Fire, that's, a, that's the next big one. So it's going to be a theater production, for real, for real. Nice. Yeah. It wasn't the, one of the main characters in the water show, Sam? Yeah, Samuel. So, so is yeah. it a play off the same character? Or like, Yeah, it's a play. So how do I? Okay. I don't think they're ready. Uh, <laughs> so it actually, Tell so it actually came from this short story um, found online um, that, and the short story was pretty much illustrating this book from this author. I forgot the author's name, but the book was um, actually um, called "The Strangest Superstition," right? And it's all about um, America, you know, how America was founded, and like um, just hypocrisies in the system. But the short story was basically about this slave named Samuel that lived in a slave, slave plantation with his family, you know, and whatever, his people. And um, the slaves continued continue to try to break free, right? So the slave master had to find a way to keep the slaves in bondage. So the short story is all about how the slave master tricks the people and it's accepting liberties instead of actually like wanting to break free and being, be free, break from freedom. So that's where like the polarity and uh, <laughs> polarity comes into play. You know, that slave master came and like, um, pretty much tricked the people into, hey, you can either vote Democrat or Republican. You can uh, pledge to this flag. You can <laughs> do this instead. But if you try to leave and escape, just another slave master is going to pick you up. So why leave, you know? So instilling that fear and, um, and just how that system continues to perpetuate itself through polarities and balances like that, you mm -hmm. know? So, yeah, it's speaking to that. And um, how do we, like, break free? One, realize that we're still in bondage because, like, we tend to not notice it. <laughs> when it's yeah because the illusion that we have a choice yeah, the illusion we have a choice exactly so yeah that's what the what the piece is speaking to you know but it spoke through the lens of hip-hop and art and how art can speak to these um systems you know and uh yeah and try to shift the narrative that's what it's about shifting it so nice man i'm excited about it yeah man i'm very excited about it oh man well cool this has been the first episode of the builder's block podcast uh, more to come soon. Jarius, my brother, one of my best my friends, man, thank you man. for coming on and being the pilot guest. Thanks for having me. Um, how can people find you, man, and check out more of your work? Yeah, just look me up on Instagram, on uh, Facebook. Uh, find me on Instagram, j.bush. Uh, and the S is a dollar sign, you know. But yeah, j.bu, dollar sign, H865, Instagram. Um, Facebook, you can find my artist page, J.Bush, on this, on Facebook. Um, yeah, those are pretty much I think we're on all streaming platforms yeah, we're as on, of this oh, summer yeah, as well. I, am I tripping, bro? I'm <laughs> tripping, bro. I just dropped the album. I, I ain't talking about my album at all, bro. I haven't talked about your album at all. I'm tripping, man. So Let's talk about your album. Let's talk about the album. So uh, I released the album August of uh, 2018 called Power Ups in collaboration with my homie Modify. He dropped the album called Levels, which was super in sync with each other because Levels, Power Ups, Power Ups, Levels. And it's a video game theme album. And it's um, it really delves into my childhood and what I enjoyed as a kid. Like, I really enjoy Sega Genesis. So it's a Sega feel to it. That was the one system that grabbed me. But um, just through that joy of video games, really, it kind of showed me in a real subliminal way of how reality similar to that, you know, like, for like a lot of like as I grow, there's always some kind of obstacle or some kind of boss that I'm like battling with mm -hmm. <laughs> internally, you know. 
And um, but also like there's obviously a system at play, you know, a video game system. So that so that the album was just a metaphor for that, like what systems are at play to, to keep us like not aware that we're in the game, you know. So yeah, the whole album just delves through different things happened through me to me through my child through my childhood and just how I ultimately overcame those and just aware that yo I'm in the game. Why am I tripping? So yeah, that's what Power Ups is all about. It's finding the power through all of that, even, even though you're in the system. And um, yeah, you can find it on all streaming platforms. Uh, one of my songs I think is really catching some steam right now is No Peanut Butter. Just check it out as I drink a peanut butter beer. It's kind of empty now. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's one of my biggest songs from that project. I, I think it's going to catch some more steam. But uh, yeah, J.B.U. dollar sign H on all streaming platforms. Look up Power Ups. Yes. Power Ups, all streaming platforms. All right, man. I think that about wraps it up. I want to thank uh, the Bird in the Book for having us. Uh, it's a new bar out here in Maryville, Tennessee uh, on Five Points on East Broadway. Come check us out. It's a really cool spot. We'll be doing the podcast from here uh, moving forward. So, yes. Bush, once again, man, Thanks, thank brother. you. Thanks for having me, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Ah, yeah. I got the beat up, doing the bang like boom with the feet up, hanging in my room. It's not the reef up.